longer than us. It was like six months or nine. It was a long thing, man. Yeah. And then you guys came back, but then you got shut down like again. Yeah. Right. We came back too early, so people just got sick of it. Like, yeah. the thing is, like, I think England's not as like it's here is obviously it's like bang when she, you know when you're locked down you're you're fucking locked down do you know what I mean whereas with us it was like um I don't know it was pretty chill man. I loved it personally I know some people didn't like it we had like all the gym dickheads yeah. who were like oh, I can't go to the gym like it's good for my mental health like fuck you man like you're, you're bad for my mental health do you know what I mean it's like <laughs> all the kids all these guys are like just bully like everyone else and, like, they, so they were like crying about it or whatever but um it was yeah man like it was it was pretty bad because this the cases were like huge yeah and the thing is i was at my mum's house so i stayed at my mum's for the whole time just so i could chill with her and um we have like brazilian news and british news so we have brazilian news in the kitchen and we have the british news in the, and the british news is just talking about brazil the whole time they're like brazil oh my god it's so bad like oh poor people like they don't know what they're doing like oh, like that and then they show the numbers and i'm like hold on England's numbers are worse. Like, so then, and then we opened up and then we went back to the barb shop mm-hmm. and it was, I don't know what it was like here, but it was fucking nuts, man. It was like two weeks of just fucking, everyone just being like, I need my haircut. Man. Oh dude, we, yeah, we opened our books after the shutdown. Um, it was like a week before we came back, we opened the books and within two hours we booked out two months. Like, two months? Yeah. Holy shit. But the thing about it was that we were super fucking busy for those two months. And then there was like two weeks that we were not dead, but we were slow. Same. Which we never had empty space. So the fact that we had a couple empty spots was like freaky. Yeah. Because um, we hadn't had that since probably like the first couple months we opened. Yeah. And then then it got really busy again. And then it kind of got, so there's like these waves for the first nine months and then it leveled off. But exactly the same. In history, did anyone, did you bottleneck haircut appointments? Yeah. And then suddenly everyone, can come, but then no one can get in because everyone, everyone's booked, and then everyone's on the same schedule. Like, it yeah. never happened before. So yeah. it's, it's kind of fucking crazy. So, like, what, what was so crazy about it? What, when we opened yeah. up? You know what, like, I was it, was, it was weird talking to guys because, like, I don't know what it's like over here with like mental health and shit, but like guys don't really, you know, they have that alpha male shit yeah. in England, if you, if you can believe it. <laughs> We have alpha male shits. It's just our alpha males are like shit compared to yours. But anyway, um, yeah, so like we had a lot of guys come back, man, and they were just like, they were just messed up, man. And like hairs all fucked up and, you know, and it was it was cool seeing them again. But I feel like, I don't know what it was like over here, but in England, like I had to keep saying to people like, you know, you know, we, the whole world just stopped. Like the whole world just stopped for like six months. Like give yourself some time to like, you know, uh, process that man because like the system that we're in you know the way that our economy is organized you know obviously your economy is organized in, in the same way it's like you know every everyone all the messaging was like as soon as the lockdown ended it was like right go back to um fucking hating your life for five out of every seven days and like just struggling to survive just do it yeah just do it but like i think a lot of people saw behind the curtain man and they were like actually i kind of hate what i do for a living or yeah. and we had a lot of people actually who came back and said i'm gonna be a barber like, I want to do what you do. I don't know if you had that. No, I think it was, honestly, it was, I think a lot of people left the industry. Um, Seriously? Because, yeah, because we were one of those few jobs and we couldn't work from home. You know, and like during the shutdown, some people that were, you know, some people got furloughed, some people got laid off, but like some people could still work from home. And then even when people came back, you could still work. And we, I think people were like, oh, I can't possibly have a job that 
I can't. That, like if there was another shutdown or something happened or another pandemic, I would be fucked. Yeah. And I think people that were in barber school, I don't know. I mean, it seemed like a lot of them graduated, but I think people that were going to go to school didn't. Yeah. They either put it off or career changed and were like, hey, in case something like this happens again, which I mean, it very well could. Yeah. But historically, when something like this happened, this has been what a century or yeah. more later usually. Um, but yeah, the one thing I will say is like when people did come back. There was this weird, uh, no one knew how to fucking socialize. Yeah, same. <laughs> it was just two months, and people could not figure out how to socialize. Like, I'm not just saying, like, goofy or fumbling over words or, you know, stuff like that. Like, they didn't know how to fucking interact with humans. Jesus, like, but you, you have a significant other at home. Yeah. You know, if you're talking to your fucking dogs and cats. Yeah. You're calling people. But the moment they came back, there was no more social etiquette. It was just like... Like what? Like, like what? Like, what do they do? <sighs> I had I can't remember. It was just like, just the little things. Like people were just, and you know, people were probably stressed out. But like, I don't even want to say like people were rude. Our clients are awesome. Yeah. It was like same. There was a bit of just I don't know. It wasn't even our clients. Like people were coming for walk-ins and not know how to act or talk to people. Or there was just like no respect. There was no like let's work on this together. You go out to bars and people, you know, there's and I know a lot of like. With the mask thing, we're annoyed. Like, yeah. Oh, you have to wear a mask in your restaurant, but then you sit down, and take it off, and then you get to the bathroom and take it off. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But they're the fucking rules. Okay? Yeah. You don't know what the fuck is going on. Like, listen to the other people that are giving you yeah. the fucking advice that are scientists and doctors. So, people complain about that shit. They know the rules, and they're just blatantly defying them walking into a bar, making every bartender and every server and every if you're in hospitality, everyone's job harder. Our Again, our clients followed all the rules really well, but I mean, you get a new client whose mask is like below his mouth, and you're like, bro, I need you to like wear it properly, and they're like, okay, and then I put it up, and then it slowly starts to dip again, and you're just like, dude, I can't keep telling you this shit. It was, it was like they know, you know what I mean? It's posted all over the website, it's posted on the doors of bars and restaurants, it's posted any hospitality spot you go, and they're still just like blatantly defying, getting yelled at, and just like, Throwing the bird and like, don't give a fuck, and you're like, it's such a weird attitude, man. I know, and you know, again, it's America, so it's kind of just like. But it's the same, man. You know what? Like, I think again, we were talking about this last night, right? Like, you, you, America gets a lot of shit. All right, a lot of it's justified, obviously. <laughs> but the thing is with America, man, is that all your like worst stuff is um, amplified all over the planet. Yeah, it's everyone knows your dirty secrets. All of everyone knows, like all the dick, you know the 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 Karens, right? Yeah. It's like you would just think that they're only America. We're a reality show. Yeah, you are. Yeah, the country's yeah, but it's the best reality show on earth, man. You know, I love it. But like, we had the same thing, man. And like, I remember, um, I remember saying to um, one of my customers because we were talking about it, and like, we have awesome customers as well, yeah. man. You know, and they're just good. You know, they're just dudes, and and he, he was saying like, you know, because I had this guy in who wouldn't wear a mask, and he was a, he was a prick, and um, obviously I don't know what it's like here, but in England, you know, in London, in our shop. You know, if someone's a dick, and, and you know, my boys in my shop are the main priority. You know, um, I had COVID four times, right? Jesus. Yeah. Four? Yeah. Because and then when a couple was here, I'm like, I've had COVID four times, and they're like, how? And I'm like, because I'm cutting your hair, bitch. When there's still COVIDs everywhere, and like you're not wearing a mask. Yeah, I had COVID four times, man. What? Yeah. Dude. And our buddy Aaron that worked with us for a, since we opened, he got it twice, and I don't. I've heard of people getting it through. I've never heard four. That is insane. I've had every variant, mate. I've tried them all. And only one of them one of them really screwed me up. I only got original recipe. You got the you got the original, the OG. The Delta, yeah. 
think it was OG. Man, you're such a hipster, man. You got the OG. <laughs> I got the new mainstream one, man. But like, well, so like my 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 friend at work, Joe, um, who's the operations manager now, he he got it really bad as well. And then he was like ill, man, for like three months. Like every time I saw, but he has a kid, yeah. so I just assumed it was because he'd made that terrible life choice. And, <laughs> do you know what I mean? He's like, he looks exhausted. And, and then he, like a few weeks ago, um, he just passed out at home, and his pregnant girl—he's having another kid. Yeah, yeah. Guys, guys, insane. His pregnant wife had to like get him in an ambulance, and he woke up at the hospital, and it was because he had long COVID. He had like a infection in his sinuses that he didn't know about. From, from COVID. And he's 30, right? He's like, well, he's like 33. Yeah. He's our age. So like, that shit affects people. But yeah, so this guy was really rude. I was like, get out of the shop. You're a dickhead. Yeah. We don't want you. Um, and then my customer was like, um, why, how are people like that? Because, yeah. you know, people that are nice to us yeah. and nice to hospitality, they can't understand it, right? Because I, and the way I always explain it is that to a lot of people in London, especially, because London's like New York, you know, everyone thinks, yeah. they're, everyone thinks they're the bollocks. A lot of people, you are not a human you are the thing that they're buying from you. So the bartender, he's a beer. Yeah. Not a human being, he's a beer. We're a haircut. And it's like, they, they're like, I'm paying for this, yeah. so it's gonna happen. Yeah. It doesn't matter what I do or say, it's gonna happen, because I've paid money. And it's like, dude, if I, if I cared about money, why the fuck would I be a barber? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Well, it's, it's like, it's funny, because those people don't understand that. You have to look out, like you said before, for you and the rest of the bar and the rest of the team. Yeah. But then you're looking out for the other clients that do give a shit. Yeah. And I've always said to people, I was like, nobody is going to make fun of Rosemont or talk shit about Rosemont or not want to be a client here because we take it serious. They're yeah. only going to not want to come because we didn't take it serious. Yeah. And so we went above and beyond with all of our protocols, especially when we came back from the shutdown. And we were psychos about everything. Good. Like, and the thing is, I was like, I do not want anyone to have an excuse to not come to us because of COVID. Yeah. I mean, obviously, people were still nervous, or maybe they were having a baby and, you know, they're afraid of getting it, so maybe they just didn't get a haircut. Yeah. Plenty of people just, like, kind of stay home and whatever. But, like, if someone wanted to get a haircut, I didn't want them to feel... Like, I wanted them to feel like they were coming into literally the safest place other than a fucking hospital. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, we took it so, so serious, and we did. And, yeah, I mean, they, they just don't realize, like, you... The clients that are going to be assholes, we, they're probably shitty clients anyway. You don't and want them. The people that like, even if they disagree with the rules, still follow the rules and respected our space because they're coming in our home. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And as you know, it's your home, so they're your guests. So you need to treat them as your guest, and you need to show them great hospitality. And at the same time, though, I don't just go into people's houses and just walk in with muddy shoes and just yeah. like throw them on their couch. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't put dirty shoes while I'm laying on their couch. Like, yeah. There's just common manners there, and it's yeah. like the same in that scenario. So it's like the the people that appreciated us taking it serious, whether they agreed to follow the rules or not, or were inconvenienced by the rules. The ones that still stuck by us and respected that were the ones that was like, "I want you here for life because you're great clients. We love taking care of you, and we love that you at least respect our home enough to like just create this long term relationship." Yeah, because you're right. There was a but that's the whole. That's like the whole point of our job, right? Yeah. Like that's my the only the. I love, you know, obviously I only cut hair twice a week now. Yeah. But those two days is all my regular customers. Yeah. And that is when I'm most happy. Yeah. Is when I'm like, because it's like, you know, you know when you, you, know, you hear barbers and it's like, oh, it's just like, you know, I'm with my friends and, and, you know, people outside are probably like, 
whatever, man. But like, it is like that, right? Like you, you know, mate, I'll be honest, like most of the haircuts I do, you know, they're like, it's like a skin fade every now and then, but a lot of it's just like scissors and stuff I've been doing for 10 years on yeah. these guys. And I don't really have to think about it. I'm just talking and like, having fun. and then all of a sudden I'm like, oh shit, it's six o'clock, yeah. I'm done. And I'm like, wow, what an awesome day, you know? So like, they're the customers you want, man. And the ones that didn't wear masks, I mean, we had this one guy, man, this dude was insane. And uh, we had everyone out with COVID over last Christmas, everyone, including me. Like the whole shop was just- Whole shop got COVID. Everyone was in bed, fucked up. And this guy emailed in being like, uh, I need a haircut. <laughs> <laughs> and my friend was, my friend's in bed like that. Like, but he's still answering emails. And he was like, I'm really sorry, we're, um, you know, we're not open. And he was like, um, he was like, okay, well, I'll go to Soho or something like that. So he went to a different shop mm. and he wouldn't put a mask on. So the guy in that shop was like, we're not doing it unless you put a mask on when you come in, man. Like the, yeah. And when we cut your hair, you know, cause he might have vulnerable family or something. I don't know. Yeah. You know, it's up to him. And um, he wrote this email to my friend Joe and he was like, I'm, this is ridiculous. I, I was asked to leave cause I wouldn't wear a mask. My friend Joe was like, okay, well like, dude, that's the policy. Yeah. And he was like, uh, he emailed back and he was like, I hope everyone in your shop dies of COVID. <laughs> and, and Joe said it to me and I was like, like, what a jump, man. Like this yeah. guy's gone from like, like, you know, oh, I can't get my hair cut. Like, it's really, to like, just wanted to like massacre all me and my friends. It was like a screening process. It was yeah. just like, if you're gonna be a dickhead, just kind of. Yeah, and like, that's, you know, I, I, can't, I can't deal with dickheads, man. I struggle. Like, we've got guys in my shop that are like geniuses. We got, there's a guy in my shop, Frankie. This guy, man, he's a genius with people. Like, yeah. you can put the worst man in the world in his chair, half an hour later, that guy's his best friend. Yeah. And I'm like, man, no way. They... As soon as he leaves, Frankie has to like sit down and be like, fuck, I hate that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's, that, that's, that's the hardest thing about barbering, I think. Yeah. Well, so with the, when you guys came back and you had your masks, yeah. it was, from what I remember seeing, it was government like enforced. Like, yeah. It was the rules. Yeah. Which I think, you know, was helpful to, it was so easy to be like, well, I didn't make this decision, even though I still would. Yeah. This is like a mandate, like this is a government, like we can't do this. And I think there's just a lot of people, I don't know you guys, we talked about last night, like don't have like set licensing kind of. Yeah, it's a bit looser. Like we, I mean, if we didn't follow those things, like whether state board came in or whatever, really they'd only come in if we got a complaint that we weren't following the rules, but I would see shops online, like in Denver, not like not wearing masks as the barbers or not making the clients wear them. And you're just like, dude, what the fuck, man? Like it's, it's, it's right now it's the law, whether you agree with it or not. Just do it. Like just it's not punk. Just do it. And but they think they're punk, man. They, they think they're like, you know. Also, like, these are the same people that got a license from the state, passed yeah. two different tests, a practical, like physical test and an online, or not online, but like a written test stating that they understand how like bloodborne pathogens or viral loads like how we have like a good amount of biology training and seriously we're, yeah we're supposed to understand a good amount of human anatomy and like yeah. especially how like common diseases are transferred like basic shit. what's the difference between a fungal infection a bacterial infection and a viral infection yeah like you should have a basic knowledge of fucking biology. Dude, I was so scared because I thought you were actually asking me that then. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, please. <laughs> it's like, you know, and then we get, we get tested to prove that we do know that information. And yeah. then, and why? Do we really need to know that information on a daily basis? Mm. No. When do we need it? When there's a fucking pandemic. And yeah, it it's like the one time. And this is the one time we need to call on it. And the thing is, yeah, it's not a virus. We don't know a lot about it. It was so, then listen to the fucking, 
Okay, you might disagree and have an opinion about this or that, but like, are you the fucking doctor? Are you part of the CDC or the WHO? Like, yes, they're learning as they go. I understand that's frustrating. I understand they might tell us some things that like, in 20 years we find out was bullshit, but who the fuck knows? Yeah. You just gotta suck it up and listen to them. And common sense will tell you, if they make these rules, just fucking follow them. Wait, you're licensed to do that. It's, it, yeah, I, I, mate, 100% bro, completely agree. And like, I, whenever I spoke to people that were like against masks, um, it was always, like, I always found it really funny because like, you know, they were always like, you know, like, yeah, well, the, ma- the mask is like stage two, all right? It's stage two, all right? Stage one is like, we're all living in fear, all right? And I'm like, oh shit, okay. What's, and it's like stage two is masks. And I'm like, okay, what's stage three? And then stage three just like fucking jumps and they're like, then you're gonna get an implant in your neck. Like, no, I'm not, I'm just gonna say, yeah, I'm just gonna say no to that. And then it's the same people that like, are also just like, oh my God, you see that Elon Musk put that thing in a monkey, I'm totally gonna have that. It's like, dude, you, you're, you just said you don't want that, but you want it if this geezer does it. Like, you know, oh my God. Yeah, like we had the same thing, man. We have that. We have the anti-maskers, we have all that stuff. You know, I think, again, there's this image of like America as being like this really, you know, everyone's really fucking crazy and stupid. And England's like, everyone's just like, oh yes, you know. But it's not like that. We got stupid bitches as well. <laughs> we got loads, man. They're just uglier. Do you, do you guys have like a lot of anti-vaxxers and shit? Yeah, yeah, I had, um, so like I obviously my family's in Brazil a lot. Of them. I, I, you know I lost a few members of my family and, um, to COVID, and I have a lot of friends that lost people. And um, so like I with the anti-vaxxers and the anti-maskers, like I got no time for that man. I got no yeah. time. Like I'll fight 100. percent I had this really old man come up to me in Trafalgar Square because they were in Trafalgar Square for like um, dude like a month. Yeah. Like they were just sat there. Like with their little flat, you know, protesting yeah, protesting, but, but it ended. So I didn't really understand what they were talking about. And also no one enforced the masks anywhere. Like on the tube, you, I wore a mask, the whole time. people didn't wear a mask. And, and you were supposed to, but they didn't. Yeah. And the reason that it wasn't enforced is because you can't expect minimum wage tube workers yeah. to get yeah, battered. Nice. Yeah, they're not gonna do it and fair play to them. Like, um, but yeah, man, I had this guy, this old man, he was like, take your fucking mask off. Like that, and I'd had a really bad day at work, man. Yeah. I'd had like a couple of those clients that, you know, they just, you know, when you sit them down, and you know, I'm like, what can I do with your hair? And they're like, haircut. And you're like, fuck you, man. Good one, Dad. Yeah. Or they're like, shorter. And you're like, yeah, fucking, you know. So I was just really pissed off. And this dude was like, take your fucking mask off. And I just flipped, man. And I got right up to him and I was like, take it off me. I was like, you take it off me, man. Just take it off me, please. Like, just t- touch me. Just touch my mask, man. I swear to God. And then his son came over who was like equally, you know, I'm not gonna say any bad words or anything, but like, they were both a bit, you know. And, uh, and he was like, he was like, you threatening my dad. I was like, what? It's like the fucking Adams family, man. <laughs> like, and do they not like, you know, the other, there were some other ones that weren't like freaks. Yeah. And I'm like, do you not look at who's on your team? Like we got doctors and you got these two guys who like don't even know what fucking day it is. Yeah. Like, what are you doing, man? Well, you were saying last night, you just sock them in the face and oh, fuck them, man. I fucking hate that shit. Anti-vax, all that shit. I hate that shit, man. Like, I, I got my vaccine. You get these people that are like, oh, you've had the vaccine. Like, you know, you've got, like, blah, blah. I'm like, I don't care, man. I literally don't care. Those Yeah, exactly. Or, like, you've got, like, weird, you know, it changes your DNA. It's like, cool, I hate myself. I'd love that. <laughs> I'd love another shot. Like, I'm fucking five for eight, dude. <laughs> like, I would love another shot at this shit. <laughs> Change my DNA, man, please. <laughs>
can't believe that that dude on fucking train gave you that much shit. Oh, did you, did you end up signing him in the face? Nah, nah, he's like an old man. I was just like, you know, and then his, his son, I'll be honest, his son was like a bit, like he was a bit weird, but like he yeah. looked like he had like some strength to him. And I'm pretty small dude, so I was like, so I just walked off and like, I was just like, man, like, I don't, I just, in my younger days, I was a bit, you know, but now, but that's because I had nothing. Whereas now with Murdoch, like I actually have a cool job. Yeah. I don't want to lose it. And also if you have like, cause I went through this whole thing. Oh, hopefully no one at Murdoch listens to this, but I went through this whole thing. <laughs> yeah, please do. Um, when, when they first asked me to go to America, I had to like double check cause I have cautions. So in, in, in the UK, I don't know if it's the same here. So a caution is you get from the police, right? So if you do something, but they don't, it's a crime, Yeah. but like, it's like, they don't, you know, they're not, they can't bother to arrest you. So it's like, you get, so like, they put you in the van and like, I don't know if you actually technically get under arrest, I think you do. And then they take you to the station and they're like, look, you're getting a caution. Because if it's like your first yeah. thing. Or if, yeah, yeah, kind of thing. But, it, but it's on your crit, it's on the record. You know, it's, it's not good. And I had cautions for like stupid shit. I wasn't, I didn't go do anything horrible, do you know what I mean? I didn't murder anyone. But like just stupid football related shit, you yeah. know? And um, I was like, man, my first time coming into the States, I was sweating, man. Cause it's scary. Yeah, like customs are gonna stop you, they right? did, they put me in a room for like two hours. What? They put me in a room for two hours, dude. Here? Yes, in, no, in um, New York. And they berated me. And I was sat in the um, waiting, the dude, I was sat in the waiting area, right? There's this massive American flag. There's a big picture of Donald Trump. And I'm sat there like, I'm gonna fucking die. And I hadn't smoked for 12 hours. Hadn't eaten for like 12 hours. I'm like shaking. I look, right? Every other person in the room is um, like Muslim. Yeah. And they're all looking at me like, what the fuck did you do <laughs> to get in here, man? And I'm like, guys, I don't know. And they put me in the room fucking berating me, man. It was insane. Like we saw in 2003, you punched Toby in the yeah. teeth. Dude, that's my best friend's called Toby. That's no hilarious, shit. yeah. But he's my best mate. Of course I punched Toby. I've punched that geezer loads. He's pathetic. <laughs> Yeah, so it's it was because I have dual nationality because mm -hmm. I'm Brazilian yeah. as well, and like at that time they really didn't like Latino people coming in. So I think they were checking whether I was like bringing drugs in in my ass or whatever. So I was I was nervous about like I thought, man, they're gonna put a finger on my ass. Do you know what I mean? And like you know, I never I've heard some some of my friends enjoy it, but like I was like I know it straight away. I don't need to try it. I know I don't want it. And then. Um, I was super nervous, man. And then I came out and the woman, it was the security woman was with my bag. And she was like, sir, um, you need to open your bag right now. And I was like, why? And she was like, there is a noise coming from in there. And it was like, your it's my fucking clippers, mate. <laughs> but I wish it was my vibrator. <laughs> oh, shit, my dildo. Yeah, yeah, oh, sorry, that's my mega dildo. <laughs> um, my it was my yeah. fucking clippers, bro. They'd run out of, um, they'd run out of juice. They've been on the whole time. They turned on in my bag, yeah. Cause then, cause obviously I'm not allowed to work here. Right. Yeah. So technically what I do is demonstrations. Yeah. I'm demonstrating haircuts, yeah. right? Um, and, uh, but you can't like earn money. Can't earn any money. Yeah, exactly, right? So I can't earn no money when I'm over here. So I'm just demonstrating. So like the guy was like, are you gonna do, be doing haircuts? And I was like, no. And then I'm opening the bag and he's right over there and I was like, turning my clippers off, putting them in. That's what I'm worried about. I was like, when we go out to take that class with Kevin in September, yeah. it's like, we're probably gonna check one bag and put like all, I'm just bringing like. Oh, you'll be fine, man. Honestly. But like, that's my worry. Like, what if? And when I was gonna go to Australia, cut. That was the same thing. I was like, fuck. What? If, what if they're gonna like? And I guess in Australia, it's super strict. But yeah. That was my worry is like, are they gonna basically be like, are you working? And be like, no, we're taking a class. 
Like, are they going to consider that work or? No, they won't. Honestly, I think it'd be fine. Yeah. So Australia is. I'm going to tell them I'm super hairy with body hair, and it's all my stuff to just. Just say it's my body hair. Everything. Yeah, it's my grooming schedule. Yeah, they're like, sorry, you're wearing four pairs of scissors. Yeah. I mean, different parts of the body, different scissors. I got a massive bush, bro. Like, what do you want from me? You want to see it? <laughs> but um, nah, you'll be fine, man. But that'll be sick, dude. Doing that, um, doing that. I've never done a class or anything, like. I, I know they're huge now, and like my my one of my best friend does um, classes, and yeah. he's really successful with it. And you never attended one or like hosted one? I've never attended one or hosted one. What? Yeah, yeah, it's not my thing, man. I'm like I just I don't you know what like I the way I learned how to cut hair is like so different to these people, and I know they could teach me so much, but like I'm so set in my ways, man. I'm like, dude, well, yeah. it works. Like, what I do works. <laughs> I have the same anxiety with you with bad haircuts and shit. I just I get so anxious, mate. Yeah, I mean, I know a lot of young girls are like, when will I ever feel like not terrified of cutting hair? I'm like, I never had an answer for a long time, and like now, I don't. I'm still don't have an answer. But like, it gets better though. Of course, like I mean, now nothing really intimidates me. Yeah, but, but like, I, I mean, when I switched over and started like doing men's grooming, I had a pair of clippers in my, clippers in my hand. Like, I wanted like just a two. I didn't even know. I was looking at guards like, which one's a two? Like, yeah, I fuck. Yeah. And if I came from the salon feeling confident, because I was like one of the best colors there, this yeah. that, I immediately got humbled. Yeah. And then I got better. And then I moved to another situation where I, there was higher expectations of me. And yeah. then I got humbled again. Yeah. And like, you just, you keep doing that over and fucking over. And like, the more you get comfortable, you're never going to fucking succeed. That's the best like, way I've ever heard anyone explain it. Open a shop one day, or I want to be a fucking educator. Like you just graduated barber school yesterday. Yeah, like, that's what they're like, man. I want to be able to get comfortable in the shop. And, you know, yeah, get two years and just do my thing and yeah. do this. And I'm like, bro, it has been sixteen or seventeen. I don't even know, sixteen or seventeen years now of just me, just like walking in face first into the wall. Yeah, you know what I mean, like, and eventually you break through that wall. But there's another one behind it. Always. And you just keep doing that, and eventually, if there's an opportunity, you fucking take it. Yeah. Like, if you want to be an educator, though, like if that's your like when you first, if you just if you're learning barbering to be an educator, I think that's weird as fuck. Yeah. I, mean, I, I think that's weird as I fuck. Wanting to be an educator, yeah, but like you want to be an educator when you've earned it, right? Yeah. All the best educators are guys that like they 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 became educators because people wanted them to be educators. Yes, they, they, they work in the salon or the shop, yeah. like learning those things, having that experience. Yeah, because how do you fucking you're right at school or like have no experience and someone's asking you about kind of like Instagram, and next thing you know, everyone does one thing in there, and you're just like, what the 
Yeah, but that's oh my like, god, my friend that knows what Pokemon is gonna fucking kill me. <laughs> but that's like that's like that's that other side of barbering, right? Is all the the followers and all the you know. But I think maybe, maybe these people are just like they had it figured out, and I'm just being an old grumpy. Well, but you, you're only like you're only a hater if you want loads of Instagram followers, right? Like, because I don't care. Yeah. Like, if that's just more people that are gonna look at like stupid shit I put on Instagram. Like, it doesn't matter to me, right? So like, and I think you're the same. But I think with with educating. There's a lot of educators in England that are like amazing. Like the haircuts they do are amazing. Like, it's cool. Like I get it. But like they're good educators because they were doing awesome haircuts in a shop yeah. on real people, and people followed them and were like, "Man, this guy's amazing. I'd love to learn from him." Yeah. It wasn't. They didn't. They didn't like start doing haircuts and go, "You need to learn from me. I know this thing you don't know. I know this secret that you don't know." And like, I fucking hate that shit, dude. I just hate, I hate that shit. Like when, you know, they're like, oh, I'm doing this new technique and all that. And I'm like, yeah, all right, fine. I'm, I am a grumpy old man. I'm like, you know, because the majority of my haircuts that I do are like not the ones I see on Instagram. Yeah. You know, I'm not in that kind of shop. I think some of the other boys are. They attract these guys that have these fucking cool, like, you know, fucking burst fade crops and all this shit. And I can do that. Not as good as these other, not, not as good as the other boys in my shop. They're amazing at it. But like my clients don't want that, yeah. and I'm cool with that. Yeah. Like I don't need to learn anything else. I'm fucking, I'm so, I'm so set in my ways, man. Like I, I want to travel around the world and have fun and cut my my clients' hair yeah. and catch up with them, and I'm good. But more power to all the educators and well, shit. This is now about educators too. Is there is like for instance, I when I worked my first time, I wanted to be that was like that that we're talking about. Like I wanted to do education. But that being said, there's a natural progression to being an educator. And these guys are like, I want to just ride the festival, ride the back. Well, why don't you team up with like a company like, I'm just going to throw ones out there. I don't know if they need you know, like Wall or like, maybe not a company that big, but like, I don't know, just a local beauty supply store maybe? I don't know. Just like, you start somewhere and you build, build up and you work with a company like, I know some people like do education for console or whatever. Then they build As Miles and I were cut off by our computer deciding to fail and missing the last little bit of our conversation, we were talking about education and educators and kind of how to kind of get a, a bit of a more organic start doing education. Um, I think we were kind of complaining that people kind of just start doing education out of nowhere. And there's a bit of, uh, you know, obviously nuance to education and being an educator and getting through to people that is kind of often overlooked in the industry. Um, and I just got done talking about how to kind of progress the same way that you would just cutting hair. You know, I asked Miles, you know, is he better at cutting hair today than he was his first month on the floor? And he said, of course, yes. And, you know, it's the same with education. I think there's a lot, you have to learn how to be an educator. Like if you're great at cutting hair, that's fantastic. Uh, maybe you have a lot of tricks up your sleeve and more advanced techniques that maybe a lot, not a lot of other people have been exposed to, but actually conveying that information properly and making sure that people walk away retaining it is a completely different skill set that is often overlooked. Um, I shared the story about how I kind of started to do education um, and kind of fortunately got burnt out way too quick. And it was probably because I was young and I was a little afraid. But uh, I was telling Miles about how when I first started, I went, I was working in my first Aveda salon and it was right out of hair school. And I was still, I wasn't quite an assistant and apprentice. I think I finally got a couple days on the floor, but I was definitely the lowest on the totem pole in the levels of the salon. And, but I knew I wanted to do education and I wanted to do education kind of help me network 
as well as learn a little bit more about certain advanced techniques and haircuts and kind of broaden my skill set. And by me teaching, I knew that that would help me kind of learn more, uh, especially going to a lot of the Aveda events and the collection classes and learning some of these new uh, techniques, I would be kind of hands-on. It might help break me into becoming, uh, you know, doing me doing maybe some editorial work if I wanted to, or, uh, photo shoots and stuff like that and runway shows and kind of just, just make me better at cutting hair. I was still very new and I wanted to be the best I could be. I still do. But, uh, I went to an Aveda class. There's two separate ones and then they were in Cleveland, Ohio, and they were just on how to teach, uh, and obviously, and the two different weekend trips were basically about how to teach adults, uh, teaching us about different learning styles and learning types, how to get through to those different learning types, how to build a presentation, how to build a class, how to public speak, all of things that I am totally shit at. Uh, Miles laughed and thought I would be great at public speaking. To him, I said, I usually just shit my pants and freak out. Um, <laughs> But it, those classes made me more comfortable presenting and how to put a class together and how to really try to get people engaged. Um, it gave a really good structure on how to just build a class instead of just going in there and saying, well, this is how you do things. It was a formal way of presenting. And, you know, it depending if I wanted to kind of do runway stuff or become a professional, which was Aveda's uh you know, kind of highest honor of educators and it's, you know, it's really prestigious, but it's very, very competitive. And there's a lot of people that want it because it's such a prestigious title and honor. And, uh, you know, to be a main educator with a company as big as Aveda, it was, you know, I knew I had to start my process really young and fresh in the salon. So even though I was 19, I knew it was going to be a long uh, road to get there if that's what I wanted to do. But I wanted to try anything at that point in my career, whether that be education or, you know, try to do photo shoots or editorial stuff. I wanted to try to do anything and everything that I could get my hands on to see where I really fit in best within the industry. I knew that I didn't necessarily want to work in the same salon the rest of my career that, you know, I wanted this level of flexibility. I wanted to find my place in the industry. And that's, we're lucky enough to be in an industry where we can kind of do that. Um, and it's conducive for that type of almost ADD or ADHD kind of behavior where we're kind of bouncing around, we get bored of something, we want to master something else. Um, and so I went and I, <clears throat> and Oveda would always come out with a collection, uh, like fall, winter of 20, whatever. And at that time, I think it was 20 or it was 2007. And I can't remember, I think it was spring or summer of that collection. And I, I went to the, the collection class and it was held at the Aveda Institute in Lansing. And all of the Aveda salons brought, you know, two educators. They taught all the color, all of the cutting, all the styling, all of this, these like two or three haircut collections that they, uh, that Aveda put together is kind of like this, I don't know, showing the new trends, showing kind of what they think the future of hair will look like in the upcoming years, stuff like that, um, or at least the next season. And I went, I learned that. I came back. I uh, gave it 110%. I was very green. I didn't know what I was really doing, but I did follow the cues from the Aveda class on how to teach. Um, and I put together as best of a presentation as I could, gave it 110%, taught the techniques to the best of my ability, which, I mean, even though I was pretty green, I followed the cues 100%. They were damn near perfect. And it was a really, I remember the one haircut was really cool. It was all razor work and it was all 
this very precise, but very asymmetrical, but then depending on how you wore the part, symmetrical bob that was really unique and kind of like outside of the box. And this was a suburban Detroit, so everyone was kind of doing the same Karen soccer mom bob. And there was one level four stylist that was really lovely that actually uh, complimented me and was really supportive. But it was surprisingly a lot of the really young stylists that were just a level or two ahead of me. And whether they were threatened by me trying to do something like education or trying to do, you know, just work through my career, they were really negative, disruptive, and disrespectful during the class, made my life really difficult as a nervous young educator. And I went in knowing, like, I do not know everything, but I have been taught this haircut like down to the last detail. I've been given head sheets. I've been giving, given every resource that I had at my disposal to learn how to regurgitate the information that I was given on the haircut to then educate somebody else. If they asked me how to do some other haircut, I probably had no experience doing it, but that single haircut, what those two or three haircuts I had to teach that day, I at least knew those things. And I did a pretty damn good job teaching it. But then I, I took, it was probably because I was young and a little immature. When somebody showed that level of disrespect or disregard for, and just, just disrespect for like me trying something and coming, getting out of my comfort zone and doing something that I was really, really nervous about doing um, and feeling pretty insecure about, to kind of take me as a team member, a person that was pretty vulnerable in that state, and just kind of shit on me deterred me from ever wanting to get into education after that. Uh, I quickly kind of just gave up on it. Um, and I just, I let those kind of crappy people that are probably still working at the salon 17 years later and not really doing much. I let them get to me. And now at this age, that shit doesn't phase me at all. Um, I think that was just a bit of immaturity at 19. I was just young and insecure and let other people's thoughts, other people's feelings, other people's opinions of me kind of dictate what I did. And, you know, I think as, as, as you kind of get older and get a bit, a bit more mature, you, those things just roll off your back a lot easier. Um, but at the time it really affected me. And I, like I said before, I, I knew this was going to be a really long road to be the educator that I potentially wanted to be, that I would have to learn a lot, not only about hairdressing and barbering and, you know, the technical side of things, but how to teach uh, and have to work my way up the chain and impress, you know, different groups of people within, if I want to stay with Aveda, use them as a resource until I got big enough to where maybe I could go off on my own and be a private educator and stuff like that. But Miles and I were just kind of complaining a little bit about how all of that is just skipped these days. And it seems that people come out of barber school or hairdressing school and immediately just like want to be an educator and private, you know. And they're like, well, I don't want to give part of my education wage to this company. But it's like that company is the support. The company is the one that books you the gigs. That company. And now, you know, you might be able to get through not using them and going because of Instagram clout, being able to use almost Instagram and social media as that kind of gateway to get classes booked. Um, but there's a lot of power in working with one of those companies when you first start out. Um there's a lot of support there. You tend to grow. They tend to be, you know, give you pro positive, you know, constructive criticism on how to improve. You keep going to classes and learning how to become a better educator. 
and you of course grow technically, but I think that's just like the big frustration is you see a lot of people these days have the technical ability, but don't know Jack Diddley about how to get through to people, how to make sure that those people that attended that class paid that money. How do you make sure they retain that information? How do you make sure that when they go back to the barbershop or the salon, that they can actually use those techniques on a daily basis? Um, and that's a lot. It's a, it's a very unique and different skill set than just knowing how to cut hair very well. It's not for everybody. I've seen, I've seen educators that, you know, I'm not going to name names, but like, I don't really think are particularly that technically talented, but they are unbelievable educators and they know how to get through to people and they know how to get people to retain information and they help people grow their careers because they are just very good educators. And then I've met a handful, if not more, of educators that I see that have Instagram clout, that, you know, they win all these fucking awards. They're amazing at cutting hair, but man, you get them in a room and yeah, they're charismatic. Yeah, they're charming, but boy, do they not know how to teach. Or they go off on some random tangent that has nothing to do with cutting hair. And they're talking about social media, but not how to build social media. It's more just like, look at me. I did this. I did that. And it's the, the, the technical education just isn't quite there. And they're not good educators. And they're just kind of like riding this Instagram clout and not to get too, you know, shit talky. It's frustrating. It's, I have an unbelievable amount of respect for some of the educators that I think are not only very technical and very amazing at the technical side of cutting hair, but they do a great job at regurgitating the information that they know and have to somebody else to the point where that person actually will walk away with some sort of new talent, new education, new ability, or at least feel inspired and creative to try some of these techniques. And there's a lot of people out there that just kind of fall short.